you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. Amen. I want to turn your attention to the notes. If you have a digital device, you can go to lifeway.com. Dot church. If you just go to that website, lifeway.church forward slash uh, 1-27-19. That's today's date. You'll find the notes. They are there for, for your, uh, your help, your assistance. You can actually take notes on your device and then email them to yourself at the end. So we're, we're keeping up with the times. We're utilizing um, the technology that the Lord has allowed us to use on this earth while we're here, and we're grateful about it. So this is the fourth week of the series Selfless, and we've declared that this year, that this year, other people are going to matter more than us, that, that, that Jesus is going to increase, and we are going to do what? Decrease, right? That he's going to be more, more important than we are. That he's going to show us how to live a selfless life. And so for the past three weeks, we've been discovering how that happens. How do we become selfless? The first week, we learned how that that the Lord wants us to be a bold witness for him. And sometimes that puts, or or that requires us putting ourself down and our fear down when we speak to others about Jesus. And the second week, we learned that we need to be faithful in service. That Jesus lived a life of service, that he came not to be served, but so that he could serve. And if we're going to live a life after Jesus and follow him, we're going to have to be selfless in service. And it's serving is not what I do, it's what I am. The third week we learned, uh, last week we learned about being extravagant in generosity and how God wants us to give. In fact, God is a giver because he loves And he first loved and he first gave and he calls us to give. And so we can see how selfless we are by looking at our generosity quotient, right? Quotient, if you will. We can can judge how generous we are and how how selfless we are by by looking at our generosity. So this week we're going to look uh, look at being grateful in the grind. How to be grateful in the grind. You know, so much of our life we live under this illusion of the next thing, the next thing, the thing around the corner. That next thing matters more than this thing, right? When I grow up, you know, you ask little kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they're like three years old. (laughs) I don't know, an astronaut, you know, something wonderful. We, what are you going to do when you grow up? And then as we're growing up, we think, well, what am I going to do when I finish school? That's always a great thing, right? What am I going to do when, 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 when I get a job? How's it going to be when I get a job? Or I just, want to, I just want to move on and get married. After getting a job, I want to be married. And then after we get married, we want to have children. So we're always looking for the next thing. And... And we're, we're thinking, we're, we're in this culture that develops this craving to experience more 
and, and something greater. And so we find ourselves spending so many years wishing away our current season just to dream about the next. And so this week we're going to stop and take a look at how to be grateful in our current grind, in the daily grind. We find ourselves in this daily grind where we do daily life in this place without dreaming, daydreaming about one day and what will be just around the corner and it's going to be so much wonderful if we could only get there. You know, it, this thinking affects, affects our achievements, it affects our relationships, it affects our possessions. But we have to realize around every corner, around the next corner, are the same challenges, the same goals, the same perceived prize, and the same dream that we've just experienced. This culture influences us to get more. I've got to get mine. I've got to fulfill my dreams. And so this culture is teaching us how to gratify ourselves, how to indulge ourselves. I mean, I don't know how many since, since the cold months have started back in the, in the bottom of November, 1st of December, all the way through till now at the bottom half of January. I don't know how many um, vacation uh, cruise advertisements I've seen. I, I lost count. <laughs> right? You just want to go. Where it's warm. And the culture has pressed us into this thinking of there's got to be more, it's got to be better. We have to gratify ourselves. And listen to me, it's, it's not wrong to dream. And it's not wrong to prepare and to plan. But in our dreaming, we need to stop discounting where we are today. We need to let someday become today. And here's what 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Whatever you do. And that includes today. Think about what you did this past week. How much glory did it bring God? And how grateful were you in the middle of the grind? The reality is the prize isn't out there somewhere. It's, the prize is not what, in what we accomplish occasionally or the big moment that everyone is applauding. The prize is in what we do daily for the glory of God. The prize is in what we do daily. What if the work is the reward? What if the prize is in the process? What if you can be grateful in the grind? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is speaking, or he's, he's actually writing to the church, but he's writing from his heart. So he's speaking these words, and, and, and let's, let's kind of dissect what he says here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 9 and 10, Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles... And I do not even deserve to be called an apostle. Now, this is a great man 
after God's heart. A great man of faith, a great man who God has used in, in many ways up to this point when he writes this. He says, I'm, I'm the least of the apostles. I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Paul never forgot where he came from. And he was grateful for the honor to be called a child of God. Not even an apostle. He was just grateful to be in the family of God. In verse 10, Paul says this, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. In other words, his grace, Paul, the grace that came to Paul was not in vain. It was not for nothing. It counted for something. Paul did what he did by the grace of God. He said, and, and looking at verse 10 further, he says, No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So Paul says a couple of things in this statement. Hard work is good. Now, that's, there was one amen in this whole, that, that, that whole statement there. I said, hard work is good. <laughs> did you notice that God, this is just kind of a side thought here, but did you notice that God anointed Adam to work before the curse? And God thinks that working hard is good. But we need to be grateful in that hard work. And Paul was grateful. Because he says this, I worked harder than them all, but it wasn't me. Guys, it was the grace of God that was with me. I couldn't have done, let me say it in a different word. I'm paraphrasing him and I'm putting it in my own words, but I can see from other things that Paul wrote that he's saying this, I could not have done anything that I did without the grace of God. And because of God's grace, I was grateful in the middle of everything that God allowed me to do. He was grateful in the grind. And he kept pointing to the grace of God, the grace of God, the grace of God. It was God's grace. I worked harder than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So Paul knew that he was not enough, that he needed Jesus. That Jesus said, in fact, you can do nothing without me. Paul realized that. He understood that. And so Paul did nothing without Jesus. Paul did all that he, all that he did because of the grace of God. And Paul also knew that God's grace was greater than any effort that Paul could put forth. And that without God's grace, Paul would have been grumpy in the grind instead of grateful in the grind. And so that's the big question for us today. Are we grumpy in the grind or grateful in the grind? Who are we? Are we grumpy or grateful? When I'm grateful, my eyes are fixed on Jesus. When I'm grumpy, my eyes are fixed on me. I have to do this. I have to do that. I, 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 I. And if all you see is I, you're going to be grumpy. But when you start looking at him, your heart becomes grateful. Grateful. 
Now, Paul sounds like he was bragging, I, I worked harder than them all. I worked harder than them all. If you look at those seven words, it is hard to imagine the depth of sacrifice that Paul made to write those words. He spoke the truth, and it sounds like he was bragging, but no. He was not bragging. He was just telling the truth. I'm going to invite you to read 2 Corinthians chapter 11 with me, verses 16. I'm going to read verse 16 through 33. And we're going to, we're going to see just what Paul endured to do what he did. And let's see if any of us have been this far committed to the cause of Christ. Here's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 16. Thanks, listen to how this verse started. Thanks be to God, who put into the heart of Titus <laughs> the same concern I have for you. For Titus, am I in the wrong chapter? I'm in the wrong chapter. 2 Corinthians, what did I say? 11, and I was reading in 8. So, Let's see if I can find a thanks be to God. <laughs> well, I can't. But watch how thankful Paul is toward God. Verse 16, I repeat, let no one take me for a fool. But if you do, then tolerate me just as you would a fool so that I may do a little boasting. In this self-confident boasting, I'm not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. And since many are boasting in the way that the world does, I will boast too, or I too will boast. You gladly put up with fools since you're so wise. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or slaps you in the face. And to my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool, and I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? Now, I wanted to, to read what he was saying. He was saying that he was going to say some things that were foolish. But everything he's saying is true. He's not lying. But he's taking it to the limit to show them the faithfulness of God and the grace of God that was upon him. Here, whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool, but I also dare to boast about, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this, but I am more. I have worked much harder been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in dangers from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. Now I want to back up and read something that I kind of skipped over really fast. He said that three times he was beaten with rods. 
that he five times he received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. So he's beaten within an inch of his life eight times right there. We know that in, in Acts, they stoned him and left him for dead because they thought that he was dead. Now, when you think somebody's dead, you can't see them breathe anymore. So apparently God resurrected Paul from the dead. When he went through all of this, he's quoting everything that he... Do you think Paul forgot the things that he went through? No. He was very well reminded of what he went through, but he's making a point here. In verse 27, I'm going to continue. He says, I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I'm not lying. In Damascus, the governor of, of King Aradius had the city of Damascusines guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. And so he goes on to tell about the things that he suffered for the cause of Christ. But he knew that the way out and the way through was to rejoice and again I say, rejoice. And at midnight, Paul and Silas were in the middle of the jail and they weren't griping. They were grateful as they praised God in the middle of the grind. How many of us would, would say, you know what, this is just too much. It's too much, I'm giving up. But Paul was grateful for the grace of God. Write this down. Graceful, uh, I'm sorry, gratefulness attracts the grace of God as much as griping repels it. Gratefulness attracts the grace of God as much as griping repels it. It was in prison that Paul wrote, Rejoice! And again I say, Rejoice! And he writes, whatever you do, and might I add, whenever you do it, whether it be today, yesterday, tomorrow, whenever you do, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whether that's changing diapers, whether that's making sales calls, whether that's doing laundry, whether that's doing errands for your boss, the work is in the reward. Or the reward is in the work. The work is the reward. And the prize is in the process. And there's gratefulness in the grind. Now for just a minute I want to talk about the three true enemies of the reward. The three enemies of the reward. Number one is the pillow. The pillow is the seduction of comfort. The seduction of comfort if I could only get a better car, if I could only get a better boss, if I could only 
get a better job. If I could only go on another cruise, if I could only get a better house, if I, I could only have enough money to take life easy. It's no secret to you that I'm announcing in 2019 that we live in a culture where we want everything easy. Easy, easy, easy. And nothing comes from nothing. In other words, everything costs something. <laughs> easy. This seduction of comfort. Like I said before, in our culture, we are conditioned for more. How much is enough? How comfortable can you be? When is it enough comfort? Comfort. God never called us to easy. God called us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. And he never said it was going to be easy. <laughs> easy never changed the world. Just ask Paul. The second enemy of the true reward is the new shiny, the shiny new thing. The shiny new thing. The allure of constant distractions. We live in a distracted age. Everyone's distracted. And, and you, you need to watch out when you're driving a car because the person that's passing you probably is looking at their phone. Probably. Texting. I don't know about you, but when I pull up to the light and I, and I look around, I still see people texting. Law or no law. And it's just an indication of people are distracted. And it has become so normal for people to be distracted that they, they don't even realize that they're being distracted. Because distraction now is normal. And so <laughs> there's danger when you're distracted. This, this allure of this constant changing culture that we have. There's, there's the new diet, the new book, the new app, new this and new that, the new look, the new style. All of this drawing us into this greater dissatisfaction. You know, just the word new in marketing triggers your attention. And the next question you ask yourself is, is what I have bad? Right? New. You need new. It's new. Didn't say, we didn't say it was better. It's just new. <laughs> Sometimes you get something new and it's worse than the one that you had before. Right? This, the, there's this allure uh, of, of constant distractions that, that we fight against. It's an enemy of, of this true reward in knowing that the prize is in the process. Right? We overschedule ourselves. We're committed to everything because it's new and because it seems right at the moment. There's so many parents that are involved in, in their children so much that it, it, it turns the parent from a grateful person into a mean, grumpy parent. 
And I hear parents telling the child, well, I'm doing this for you. I'm taking you to soccer and I'm taking you to this and I'm taking you to that and I'm doing this for you. And I can imagine the kid on the other side is saying, you know what? I'd never asked for any of this. And you're doing all this for who? And I'd rather stay at home and play with you in the backyard, honestly. But this allure of constant this and constant that and we've got to, we've got to bring up our child so that they'll be an NBA star. So it's an enemy to really realizing that the prize is in the process. That we don't need to forsake today for dreaming about tomorrow. Right? So many distractions in this techno age that move us off focus and make us non-productive push us in that place of being overscheduled and then us wondering why. Why are we doing all this? Number three, the third enemy of the true reward is the towel. That never-ending temptation to quit. And I do mean never-ending. Anything you do for God and everything you do for God requires all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And when you push, there's always something pushing against you. You'll always find challenges on the road to accomplishing the will of God. And so that temptation to quit comes directly from the enemy. It is a, it's a missile aimed at you constantly. And he says constantly, just give up. It's not worth it. You don't have what it takes. Or he'll use this thought. Did God really call you to do this? The temptation to quit. The temptation to quit. And at times it seems that it would be easier to give up and throw in the towel. Right? When you're working on your marriage and you think you're at that great place and then boom, you have a knockdown drag out. And you think, wow, we just took five steps forward and ten steps back. How about your finances? Your finances are finally coming together and then not only the dishwasher breaks, the, the, the car breaks down, you have to replace the transmission and then the dog has to be taken to the vet and it costs $1,000. On and on and on and on. Or how about when, when you're giving all you can and people don't appreciate you and you just want to throw in the towel. And you're thinking, I don't make that much of a difference anyway. So just throw in the towel. This is just too hard. Here's the deal. Either you can throw in the towel or use the towel to wipe the sweat off your brow. Your choice. God gives us the extra grace when we refuse to quit. When we refuse to quit, God's supernatural, extra supernatural grace goes into effect. When we suddenly realize that the work is the reward and that the prize is in the process and that we can be grateful in the grind, right? God's perspective can change you totally. You know, I found that passion follows purpose. Passion follows purpose. Now, 
there's, there's another school of thought here, and you hear it at most uh, high school, college graduations. You'll have a graduation speaker that comes in, and they typically say, kids, find your passion. Because if you find your passion, you'll never have to work another day in your life. And so we have a lot of people that are still trying to find their passion. And they're not working another day in their life until they find their passion. Isn't that funny? But look at Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. Acts 20, 24, Paul talks about recognizing that you're serving God's purpose. Paul says this, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. That is a very selfless statement. I'm considering my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So Paul is saying here, it doesn't matter what I want to do. I know and I have found purpose in knowing that Christ's task for me and in knowing Christ's task for me, there's passion. So purpose provides passion. Purpose helps me feel passionate about ordinary things. The things that are mundane. Taking out of the trash, the walking the dogs, the cleaning the basement, the scrubbing, the mopping, the cleaning up the, of the mess. The things that seem mundane finally take on meaning. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Can I just share with you this week about, about all of these? I'll just kind of digress to give you a personal testimony of, of all these uh, heaters and air conditioners in this, in this facility. There's seven of them. And I don't think in the two years that we've been here, all of the, the three have been here three years. I don't know that they've worked all at the same time at one time or not. You follow me? The whole time that we've been here, I don't think all of them have worked properly at the same time. And it has been a constant battle. Finding and fixing and finding and fixing and finding and fixing. And so, I <laughs> am, am using my time and John helped me. John is up here. We're right above here looking at this HVAC unit, the, the, the heater unit. John knows what he's looking at. I don't know what he's looking at. I'm just here to help him. Hold the ladder. Hold the ladder. And so, in the middle of this grind of all week trying to figure out what's going on with all these heaters and how do we get them fixed and who do we call to get them fixed. And I heard just the Lord speaking to me inside. This is your message for Sunday. And I'm thinking, wow. So I'm not wasting my time. This is something that we need to know because it's something that we're doing and it seems rather mundane, but it's got to be done. 
when we moved into this building, and like most of you, when you moved into your house, they didn't give you a manual and say, okay, this is what you have, and this is where it's at, and this is how you cut it off, and this is how you control it, and this is who you call if it doesn't work, and so forth and so on. Can I, can I get a witness? Amen. So there's a lot of things you just have to find out on your own, right? Now, you can choose at that moment, um, and, uh, at the moment that there's a crisis, to, to either be grumpy or you can be grateful. And I, was, I began to thank God, thank God that two of them are working. Two of them are working. And I would just pray, Lord, help us here. Help us, help us. And then three of them started working in this, in this room. Then yesterday, we put the fourth one back in operation. And we were all shouting hallelujah through our texts. Right, John? Whether it was supernatural or not, I don't know. But I'm giving all the glory to God. Because I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert at anything. <laughs> Let me make that clear. I'm not a professional, especially at the HVAC stuff. But you can be grateful in the grind. When I know my purpose, it can fuel that passion that I need to get through the daily grind with a grateful heart. And give God all of the glory. Listen, never look at what you do as, as, as insignificant. There are people in this building that are ministering to your children. What an honor. What a privilege. They're giving of their life to love on these children. To show them, who, not just tell them who Jesus is, but to show them who Jesus is. There are people that are doing things that seem to be mundane or normal. But when you discover your purpose, passion follows that. And you can hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, as you're doing the job. When you're making someone coffee. When you're leading the kids in the treehouse back there. When you're preparing someone or preparing the baptism and pre preparing someone for the baptism. When the people that count the offering, there's just a, a list of things. People that are working on the sound and the lights. Paul gives us these profound images of the things that he did. When he says things like, you know, don't run like someone else is running aimlessly, or don't box like you're shadow boxing, but run with purpose in every step. In Corinthians, he says, run with purpose in every step. Purpose produces passion. So whatever you do this week, I'm, I'm charging you, I'm challenging you. If you're, if you're a grandparent and you take your kids to school, like Bob Van does, loves his grandchildren, takes his kids, takes his grandchildren everywhere, all over town. If, if, if you're fighting for your marriage, if, if you're caring for your aged parents, If you feel like you're called to do something more and you're stuck in that job that you've had for years, begin to look at it with that grateful heart. Be grateful in the grind. Do all that you do for the glory of God. The prize isn't when you get the promotion. Life isn't about me. I deny myself so that I can live for Jesus. 
and live through Jesus. Find the prize and the purpose. The work is the reward. And let's be grateful in the grind. Amen. Father, thank you again for showing us that work is good. That when we have our eyes on you, we change from grumpy to grateful. Thank you. That it just happens because we see the purpose in what we're doing. Builds the passion. Encourages us. Gives us courage. Strength to do what you need us to do. What you've called us to do. Thank you for reminding us that this year ahead of us, Lord, is better invested when we serve you and serve one another so that our eyes are focused on you. Less of me and more of you makes 2019 a year of success. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. So while everybody's head's bowed and every eye is closed, I want to ask you this this important question. You're here and Jesus is here. He, He promised that wherever we are gathered in his name, that he would be there. And so Jesus is asking you if you want to follow him right there today, where you are. If you're here in this building or if you're watching right now online and you decide to follow Jesus, that that is the best decision you could ever make. It's a total transformation in your life. The Lord wants to show you how much He loves you. The life that He has created for you, for you to begin walking in. It all starts with a decision just making a decision to follow Jesus one step after the other after the other and if you've never taken the first step I want to encourage you to take the first step today you make a decision in your heart thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church podcast if you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.